Welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. We got an awesome episode for you guys. We have Branson Jackson, aka Branson Jack on Instagram. He's been a part of just some unreal bucks, some real giant deer, and then he actually killed a giant buck for himself on an archery hunt in Colorado this year. He shares those stories with us and then gives us some tips and tricks. You're not going to want to miss this episode if you love giant mule deer like me. But before we start, I just want to thank our sponsors. We have Scout to Hunt. They're coming out with some really cool stuff. They're um, releasing some new layers. One layer they recently released, it's called the Unpaved Layer. So you can turn it on and it, it overlays the roads and you can actually see what vehicle is best suited for that road. So uh, there's like a ATV road, there's a truck road or trails, like hiking trails. And I've used that in scouting a lot so you can kind of see the best way to get to places and if you're going to need a four-wheeler or if it's more of a hike-in or if you can get your truck in there or not. Anyways, it's a really cool layer. And they're also doing a, a shed photo contest with some awesome prizes, so you guys should go check that out. Um, and then just our other sponsors real quick, we have Scree Gear and then Ancient Boots. And um, like I, I've said in past podcasts, I've used b- both of those um, things last year on my hunts, and I, I really liked them. So that's why I was excited to get them as sponsors of the podcast as well. Anyways, uh, we have Branson Jackson here, so let's go ahead and get started. Thanks for getting on, Branson. Thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, I'm stoked to get on here with you, and uh, I I love to talk and I love to swap stories, so um, I'm excited for this. Should be fun. Oh, perfect, perfect. Well, I just kind of wanted to start out maybe with a kind of like what got you started on hunting and and where. I guess where you started. Yeah, how I, how I got into it, um, it was always a family thing. Um, some of my first memories were, you know, with my dad and with my siblings out hunting, and and I feel like from there it's always just kind of been engraved in me that fall is hunting season, and and from there, um, the passion kind of goes instilled. I think some of my some of the things that I I look back on and I'm like, man, that's what kind of got me into it was the old really crazy VHS. Uh, uh, videos from Ryan Hatch. And, oh yeah, uh, look, I I used to just binge watch those. I'd watch them over and over again. And I'd ask my dad, "Where was that buck at? That's such a giant deer." And I just remember as a kid, I just absolutely loved those videos. And growing up in the backyard of of those videos, I felt you know pretty fortunate to get to see a lot of big deer, and and kind of get to see where those videos take took place. And so. From then on, I, I've always loved mule deer. I've had a passion for them. I've hunted them a lot, and I've been lucky enough to uh, uh, to take a few good deer and also be a part of some great deer that have been killed. So I, I think that's all where it kind of started, and, I, and I've loved it ever since. Yeah, I was looking. Uh, I've been looking through your Instagram. I've been following you for a while too, and you're just you're constantly around big deer, whether you help with them or you kill them yourself. It's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I've been. I've been really lucky uh, for that sense. Um, I, I'm not labeled so much as a killer, um, but I, I have some cousins that are absolutely killers. I mean, they kill some great deer, some great animals all across the West. 
Um, they've been like, I've been lucky enough that they've taught me a lot. And then my family, um, they're just a bunch of killers. And I, and I've been lucky enough to learn a lot from them and a lot of people that I've, uh, either guided or spotted with or, or just had the opportunity to help with. So I've been around some good people that have put some big deer down. So it's been fun. So, um, so speaking of killing, I mean, you said you're not labeled as a killer, but you killed an awesome buck in Colorado on a, on a tough archery hunt. Um, yeah. Kind of getting into that story a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's what you call the epitome of luck. I've uh, I've spent a lot of years hunting myself, and I've I've had some great opportunities, some great deer, but I've just haven't been able to capitalize. Um, last year was the first time that I finally was able to capitalize on that. I drew a, a second choice hunt in Colorado, and I, I so I'm a firefighter in the summer, so I'm usually pretty busy. Didn't give me too much time to go scout. And so I got to go bonsai out for about four days. Um, and as I got up to the place I was going to hunt, I I was struggling. I, I had such a rough hunt. I, I hunted for three days, and I probably saw 15 deer total. It was the driest I've ever seen. There was no water. There was nothing to focus on. The deer were just timbered up 24-7. And so I was, I ended up, you know, still hunting the timber, which is just so fun because it's so productive. With a bow, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, with a bow. And so it, it wasn't very productive. And uh, and I'd, I'd been hunting all around these basins. I'd backpacked in. I'd, I'd hunted on the side of the road. I feel like I'd tried every trick in the book. And, and one night I was walking back and I ran into this old man. And he's like, what? And he sees my backpack and everything. He's like, well, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'd backpack in over on that basin over there. He says, why are you doing that? I was like, well, just trying to kill a big deer, anything, any deer at this point. And he says, you want to know the trick to this unit? I was like, I would love it. And he's like, I've been hunting this for 40 years. He says, you need to road hunt. <laughs> kind of looked at him. And I was like, yeah, I bet, buddy. He's like, no, no, you got to trust me on this. You got a road hunt. And I was like, dude, you're so full of it. You're so up in the up in the night. I couldn't believe it. Uh-huh. And so I, uh, I, I, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. And so I had planned on going work on the fifth day and I had one full day of hunting left. And so I was like, I'm going to go change spots. But as I'm doing that, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to road hunt first thing in the morning. I'm going to, I'm going to trust this old man. And so as I'm rolling down the road, I'm going two miles in my truck, two miles an hour in my truck, just rolling down the hill. And I looked down, that was like a 20 inch three by four. And I was like, you know what? That's, you know, I've had a rough hunt. I, I, I love some meat. So I'm going to, I'm going to shoot that buck. So I hop out of my truck. The deer's all fine. I guess they just see ridiculous amounts of people on that road. I guess that's one of the big, big parts. And uh, so I jump out, range them, pull back, shoot, and I just missed them. And the deer kind of looked around, didn't exactly know what was going on. Uh-huh. And he just trying, starts walking off. And I was like, well, you know, he's not spooked. I better get another shot at him. And so I'd been in that area that this deer was walking towards, and I knew that there was a big bull, like a rock scree bull, and there's aspen lines and some timber lines. And the way that the deer was headed, I was like, I think I could cut him off, and I'll just wait for him, and, you know, maybe I'll get lucky and get a shot off again. And like I said, it wasn't a very big buck, but I was just, I loved to hunt, and I loved, loved to shoot my bow. I had a brand-new bow that I had utmost confidence in, and I was kind of bummed that I missed. Yeah. And so... Uh, I go sit on this on the tree line and I'm just sitting there for probably 30 minutes and all of a sudden I kind of hear like a branch snap down the tree line and I look up and sure enough he's just kind of feeding his way walking towards me kind of checking his back trail and uh, I was like oh sweet so I, I wasn't exactly nervous I'm like you know he's not a very big buck I'm just kind of going to shoot him and I wasn't too nervous and he keeps walking and then right when he gets about 
70 yards away from me, I, like, catch something out of the corner of my eye to the left, and I look, and I can see about a 28-inch four point that had probably been standing there the entire time, and he's just looking away, kind of checking his back trail, too. And so at that point, it goes from calm, cool, collected to an absolute mess. I was shaking like my arrow on my bow. Was just, ting, 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 just, just shake it away. Yeah. Like, That's a good deer. Like, I'm going to smoke that deer. So I range him. He's all ready. And just as I'm kind of getting ready, I look a little further left, and I can see a cheater sticking out of a tree, a velvet cheater. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's well, a bigger, uh-huh. I love cheaters. And, uh, and so – from that deer, the deer I originally shot at walking up the trail, those deer kind of walked a little bit further and kind of got into the open, checking their back trail, not even knowing I was there. I was yeah. like, this is picture perfect. But at this time, my nerves are just through the roof. I, I, can't, I can't do anything right. Like, I can't focus. I can't stop shaking. And so I keep trying to breathe and breathe. And I've got the deer ranged, and he's quartering away from me. I was like, I'm very confident in this shot. I'm going to shoot. And I was shooting, and I'm going to blame this on the broadheads, not my, not my air, which it was probably my air. But uh, I shot him, uh, well, mm-hmm. I shot at him, and he was quartered away, and I hit the last rib, and I think that my arrow deflected up instead of straight through. So it kind of deflected oh. out towards that back hip instead of straight up like I wanted it to. And anyways, I thought I'd made a great shot. And so I was pumped. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the biggest deer of my life. You know, I knew he was close to 200, and I'd never, ever had a chance at a 200-inch buck like this. And so I backed out of there as much as I could, get my wits back, calm down, give him an hour, relax, you know, get some food in me. And I'll uh, keep this in mind that this is off the road. I, and the guy was right. Yeah, you had to road hunt. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. That's so great. And, uh, and so I go back and I start getting on this trail and it's probably, you know, it's probably 10 o'clock in the morning. Now this is all first thing in the morning and I follow him for probably about 300 yards and, and the blood I'm following is super, super dark. Um, it's like a dark liver shot, like dark blood. And, and so I knew he's going to eventually die, but I figured I'd better give him some more time and go back kind of give him another hour or two. And I go back and at this point I was in straight panic. I've hit another big deer um, down the Washington field when I was a kid and couldn't find it. And it was just a repeat of the situation. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so awful. And, uh, and so I start gridding. I, I, it's like everything my old man's taught me, anything my friends have taught me, I'm circling, I'm drawing lines. I've, I've got onyx out. I'm doing everything I can. I, and I, so where I lost the blood, he hit the rock screen. I was like, there's no way that deer went across like a half mile rock screen. So I went down and I gritted down, gritted down. And I went up, you know, probably a hundred yards and gritted everywhere. And, uh, and I, I looked all day that entire day, all till dark. And so now it sets in, it's like, Hey, well, I'm, I'm supposed to work tomorrow. And I was like, well, I better call the boss and I better give it at least a morning to look for this deer again. And I tried to get some sleep that night and tried to eat some food, but I just, I felt so bad. I was like, not again. You know, I, I'd wound another big deer and I felt so off. This was my opportunity. I was like, I want to be, I wanted to be the cool guy on Instagram. Like I, I had all these goals. The problem uh-huh. weren't the best of goals, and uh, and so I was pretty bummed that night. And I was calling my dad, looking for some um, for some advice, and he and he just he's always got the best advice for me. He's like, you just need to stay, you know, keep the faith and stay true. Like you're gonna find him. Like I know you will. And he and and like it was exactly what I needed. So I woke up first thing that morning, and he gave me some advice. He's like, you know, because I I'd hit a deer with him one year, and I went straight uphill, and we couldn't believe it. He's like, you need to check uphill. I was like, okay. 
So as I got there, um, right to where the last place I got the blood, the thermals were starting to switch, and I had the thought to go uphill. As the thermal switch, I caught a whiff of a dead deer straight uphill. And I was like, you're absolutely kidding me. Like, that's 100% my deer. And so I went 100 yards up the hill and nothing. And I was like, he can't be further. I mean, I feel like a, a, a shot deer isn't going to want to go uphill to that. I went another 100 yards uphill. And I was like, oh, I still got nothing. Like, maybe it was just kind of my nose playing tricks on me. And I went about another 50 yards. And I came up on a scene that isn't exactly anything that someone dreams about. Um, I came up and there was my deer and it had about a two year old bear sitting on it and it was eating it. Oh yeah. And it, it, it demolished it. It just had its way. I mean, that deer probably died uh, about in the afternoon, you know, probably bedded up and died. And that bear probably found it that night and just had its way. It ate its hind quarters, it ate its front shoulders, it ate its face. It had been on on the velvet. I mean, just absolutely hammered it. And so, I had my gun pulled up and I was pissed off and, and, and I pull up on it cause I was scared. I mean, I'm by myself in the back country and this bear. And, uh, and so I was like, I was like, I was just hoping the bear was going to run. The bear gets up, takes off and runs and doesn't stop luckily. Cause I was pretty dang scared. And then I start to assess the damage on the deer and it was pretty bad. And so I start calling all my buddies. I'm like, well, can you save velvet in this case, calling the taxidermist and and one of my big things is I love field photos and I love the appreciation um, that you do for a deer. I mean, I, I'm not about the wide-angle lenses. I hate that look on a deer, yeah. but I love to do the deer appreciation. Like, he, that deer just sacrificed its life, and I love to make it look really pretty. And so I was so bummed, so bummed with not being able to take any field photos. And I got a rash of crap for it <laughs> from all my buddies. Um, when I sent out the first couple of pictures, it was just, I, I had uh, caped out the head and I just had, um, euroed and I had a bag over the euro and people were like, dude, where's like, what, where's the pictures? Like, I want to see this deer actually dead. Like, I can't tell how big it is. Like what's wrong. And they were just, they were just railing me. Just give me a rash of crap. And so it, it is what it is. I was super bummed. Um, that it happened that way, but I was beyond stoked that I found the deer that I put in the effort and, uh, I got lucky and found him. Um, so yeah, that, that about wraps up that deer. Uh, it, it was a big deer. Um, it, uh, it, it's my best deer for sure. I was definitely sad that I wasn't able to do that deer justice and take some awesome photos with it. But at the same time, I was super glad that I, I, uh, was able to find him and not let a big deer like that just rot and waste and, and turn into some bear food out there. <laughs> yeah, at least you got to put your hand on him and stuff. Did were you able to save the cape, or was the cape ruined too? The the cape was ruined. Uh, luckily, my taxidermist is one of my really good buddies, Kerry Ogden, um, out of Richfield for Redview, and he said he had a cape for me. And I and I talked to him, and I was like, dude, what do we do with this velvet? And he's like, I don't know, man. Like it's completely up to you. And so the velvet, um, he was he was getting ready to to pull that velvet off anyway. So he'd kind of scuffed it up, and that bear scuffed it up. So the yeah. cheetahs on the sides were kind of off the velvet. The beams kind of um, were a little beaten up. And then just all the horns were just kind of beaten up in general. And so I kind of, I talked to a couple of my buddies and we thought it'd be pretty cool if I just left the velvet in the kind of the gnarly condition that it was. And so that's what I told Carrie and he was able to save the velvet in the condition. 
um, because I wanted to, I, my one thought was to have them stripped and to have it re- the fake velvet on there. Um, but yeah. I, I think it's going to turn out pretty dang cool. He, uh, he's able to sa- save it, like I said, and uh, it's like you don't see too many of those, those velvet mounts that are kind of the ragged velvet and kind of the beat-up velvet. Everyone's always got super pretty velvet. And so I'm kind of excited for a different look. And then, of course, I'm excited to, to have that deer back in my hands and, and hopefully take some pictures with it mounted up to kind of do it some more justice and, and to, you know, to, to make it uh, look as good as it actually did when I shot it. Yeah, that would be cool. I think that's cool to leave it like that, too, because it kind of reminds you of the story and how yeah, it yeah, went as well. That's sweet. So did you, how, how big did he end up being and stuff? So I, I didn't tape them, which is probably a good thing. I, I'm not known to have the most consistent tape. Um, and, but my, my tax service taped them, and he's pretty tight with his tape. Uh-huh. He, he scored them at 198. And so you can't call him 200. He's right at 200. Um, and so I'm going to go with that score. Um, I might tape them just to see what I get when I get them. But 198 sounds pretty good to me. It's a giant buck for me, and it's going to take me a long while to, uh, to top that for myself for sure. On a second choice unit, too. On yeah, I, absolutely. Oh, on a, on a, on a so unit scary. that I, yeah, I hadn't spent any time in, hadn't been able to scout. Second choice, just went in for a bonsai trip by myself and come out with the biggest buck of my life. I was pretty tickled pink. Had had you hunted that unit in past years, or was that your first time on the unit? That was my first time. I had I had never spent any time in that general area at all. I had one buddy who was from that, there's a little town down there that he was from there. And he actually was nice enough to drop me some, um, some waypoints. And so that's what got me, that what got me started in there. Um, and then of course that old man came through a clutch for me and told me to road hunt and I ended up with that deer. So it was pretty cool. Jeez, that's crazy. So what do you feel like, uh, are a couple things maybe you learned from this deer or this hunt? Um, I think the biggest thing is just perseverance. I was, it, I mean, you wake up out there by yourself and some people, okay, there's a lot of people that are, are way more mentally tough than I am. But when I'm out there by myself hunting, it takes a toll on me. I'd wake up in the mornings and I'd be in what I thought was a perfect position to glass up some big deer and add glass and glass. And I'm like, I'm seeing three does and I'm not seeing any bucks. And it was just so rough. And I think that's that was kind of the tune um, for all across the West last year for how dry it was. Um uh-huh you just had to each had to keep your nose to the grindstone and, and you know that that's hunting you know it's never easy that's why they call it hunting and not getting and so i think that was the biggest thing that i learned and then also you just can't give up i mean i i i'd wanted to go home that bed sounds so nice to go home and relax and take a few days off to go back to utah and do that but i kept out there and then of course trying to find that deer i, I was exhausted i had I felt like I had gone through every option that I possibly could and just, I got lucky and caught a nice little thermal swift or shifting and, and it hit my nose. And I was able to find it. Um, so I think just perseverance being out there and, and keeping your nose to it, even though times get tough, you just got to keep after it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good, good advice. And I, I think that's, that's one of the hardest things to do, but I think that's the most like consistent feedback um, I've heard from talking to people about hunting big deer is just to stay persistent and stay out there. Even, I guess, even kind of when it's not not fun. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Sometimes, 
you know, sometimes hunting isn't exactly fun, but every now and then you get a lucky break on a, on a giant deer like that, and it makes it all worth it. I mean, there isn't anything that would have changed. There isn't one hardship that I went through that I would have changed just because of the outcome. So I was I was tickled pink and, and ecstatic for sure. Yeah. Well, that's a sweet, that's a sweet buck and a sweet story. So, Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, you, you also guide, right? Um, yep. I, uh, I've guided, uh, for Dave Roscoe of North Rim Outfitters, uh, for okay. the past few years and been lucky enough to, to help them and, and be on some great deer. And it's been a fantastic time out there. So how, how did you get into that? Um, I, <laughs> I was always that high school kid that was out looking for deer, out looking for sheds. And so I knew the ponds had gotten pretty dang good. And it was my dream to be a guide. That was what I wanted to be. Um, mm-hmm. I told my old man when I grew up, I want to be a guide. And he's like, you know, guiding's fun and all, but once you start doing it for a living, it takes the fun out of it. And I never did really believe him. I never did um, um, have any knowledge of it. So I was like, yeah, I bet, I bet. And, uh, and so I grew up my whole life, and I'd had buddies who drew tags, and I'd have friends calling favors for me to go out and help them. And it took till just a couple of years ago, um, just me being out there so much in the summers and, and just finding the deer by myself, just because I love to look at deer, big velvet deer, that people kind of finally started to take notice, like, hey, maybe he actually does know where a few deer are. And oh. I actually guided for a guide service, um, started out for a few years with them, and then I, I, I love the whole local idea of things, and, and Veroska's always treated me so good um, that me and him ended up talking about for a drive, and one summer night, we saw some great deer together. He's like, we'd love to have you if you've got some time. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so last year um, was like my first full year with them, and I was able to go with um, an archery hunter, muzzleloader hunter, and a rifle hunter on the Ponce gun. We had a pretty good t- pretty good ding time with it this year. So is it is it kind of everything you thought it would be, or do you feel like it kind of takes a little bit of the fun out of it? It, it definitely can take the fun out of it. Um, I, I, I've come to a harsh realization of that. When I was helping that other guide service, it was work for me. I had stopped firefighting, and I was out there for, you know, 10 to 13 straight days just working my tail off, looking, trying to find a big deer. And and what it came down to is when I stopped enjoying it is when I had a a true trophy hunter as a hunter. I mean, of course, I'm going to try to find him the big deer, the biggest deer out there and do the best that I can. But it was on another drought year. The biggest deer that we'd seen killed off that year was, you know, right at 200-inch deer. And this guy had killed a 255-inch deer the year before. So oh. his expectations were a little lofty. And uh, I went out there on the muzzleloader hunt, scouted for three days beforehand and hunted every single day of the muzzleloader hunt. And we didn't find a deer that he liked at all. And it was such a grind, such a grind. And that was when I finally realized, hey, my old man was right again, of course, that <laughs> it, once you start doing this for work, it takes the fun out of it. Um, and so luckily enough, last year, um, even though I was out there a lot, we have a great group of guys that we work with. And one of my best friends, McKay Sorensen, um, we were helping uh, together on this buck on the archery hunt. That was really fun. And then on the muzzleloader hunt, I got, I got paired with another great guy and a great hunter had a blast with. And then on the rifle hunt, even though conditions were super rough on all the hunts, um, just great group of guys made it a lot of fun. And we had a blast out there shooting some big deer. Yeah, you guys definitely killed some 
some great deer, especially for this last year. I mean, I know how tough it was. How do you feel, like, growing up on the Pontagon or in that area, do you feel like it's it's starting to kind of peak again, or do you feel like it's still maybe not what it, what it once was? You know, that that's it, it's kind of a hard way to look at things um as in peaking as in like looking at at, at what it was and what it is now right wow. now i think it's so incredible in my opinion that archery tag is the best archery tag in the west over the henry's over any other state that is one of the best tags you will have multiple opportunities on a good wet year you'll have a hit list uh, if you're doing your diligence and, and your scouting you'll have a hit list of multiple 200 inch deer which is all anybody can ask for um, and, and so I, I, it's just hard to say because now as hunters we've become more efficient, you know, with trail cameras and, and getting out there and scouting and optics and just pure people power, we're able to see a lot more of the deer than in the past. And so I think of the, of the glory days of the ponds as, you know, the Ryan Hatch era out there and them killing those giant deer, but the competition wasn't there and, and the, the people power, the, the efficiency wasn't there, and so it, I feel like um, I feel like back then it was only better because the biggest deer on the unit weren't being killed year after year. And so, like I look at it now on the archery hunt, those you know those biggest deer that that you scouted all summer are probably going to die on the archery hunt. And you know, like you think about the past, that's probably not the case. There's a lot of those deer that we're going to slip into those cedar pockets and they're going to make a run to Arizona and never be seen again. And wow. so it, it, it's kind of hard to say whether it's peaked or whether that was the peak, but it's still fantastic. I know back then it was fantastic. It's just kind of a, a different, different viewpoint on it for me, whether it be, you know, the whole efficiency and the biggest deer getting killed, but I still think it's fantastic. So as far as pulling a big buck, you feel like that archery hunts, kind of gives you the best chance because you can scout and all the bucks are still alive. Yep, absolutely. Um, and I, and as for myself, on the whole um, new um, perspective that Utah has kind of gone on no baiting and, and the trail camera, what happens with that, uh-huh. it doesn't hurt me as a guide, um, It just as myself, um, because I've spent so much time out there and I do get to scout I'm lucky enough to be able just to go out and look at deer. And so I'm able to watch those deer and I'm able to learn those patterns, whereas people from um, out of state and stuff aren't able to uh, spend as much time on there. And so, yeah, I feel like it's it's definitely the best, definitely the best hunt to kill a big deer. You, You can go up. Uh, up by Tropic Reservoir and just drive the main roads and you're seeing 180 inch deer every morning, you know, maybe 190 inch deer and down low, you're able to glass a long ways, see a lot of deer. And so I just love, I love early season deer. I love the velvet. It makes them dumb or dumber. I feel like, and so you kind of have a better shot at, at, you know, getting one of those big deer. It's not a, it's not too good of a shot. You know, I still feel like it's hard to kill them on the archery hunt, but it just betters your chances just that much more on that archery hunt. Yeah, I yeah I, I agree with you. And then and then you kind of um, brought up baiting, so I just wanted to ask you real quick: Do you think that some of the bigger deer might not get killed on um, on the archery now because uh, you can't bait, or do you think? I mean. 
you're still going to be able to to haunt them. Yeah, I think it's actually going to be really interesting. Um, when I think last year of one of the biggest bucks that we killed um, from NRO was a big stack cheater buck. He wasn't killed off bait. Um, we didn't kill our buck off bait. Um, there's there's still a lot of big deer not being killed off bait. They're just yeah. being killed off straight willpower and people power putting in the time out there. Um, but I, I still I, I do think there are a few deer um, that will make it because of that for sure. Like there is going to be a little bit of an age class that makes it um, just because they aren't being targeted quite as hard with the whole baiting thing. Right. So, I mean, you said archery was the best. On, probably on, on as far as killing a big buck. Um, do you think on any of them, archery, muzzleloader, or rifle, do you think you could realistically expect to maybe at least hunt a 200-inch deer? Maybe killing one is different? Or do you think, are those, I guess on an average year, a lot of the point depends on moisture, but do you think that's a realistic expectation for those hunts? Yeah, I think on those normal years on the pumps got you're you're hunting you're hunting after that goal. Um, the only hunt that I would make that exception for is rifle, because you have no idea what's going to pop around the corner. Um, there there's quite a few deer that are still unknown, whether they are completely unknown or whether they've been seen for just a little bit by people. Um, that rifle hunt, they're just migrating. Whether it's hot, then you might not get quite the migration, and they might not be moving during the day. And so for that hunt, it, I, I think it's pretty hard to target that 200-inch class. Um, for archery and muzzleloader, I definitely think you're you're in that ballpark. You, yeah. If you're doing your diligence during that archery hunt, you're able to see some big deer. And you're seeing a lot of deer if you're able to just scour a lot of country. There's tons of deer all over that unit, and you're able to see a lot of big ones. And so that, like I said, that's my favorite. 200 on a normal year is a pretty attainable goal that you're chasing, that you're hunting for sure. Maybe not killing, but hunting. And then muzzleloader, um, a lot of times those deer, I guess they're going to be in their patterns um, from their archery hunt. So if you've scouted for them, and they're still going to be in that general area. And then sometimes you get some of those migrate bucks that come off the top that no one knows about that you'll get a crack at. Um, so, yeah, I think on a normal year, that muzzleloader is still a very great hunt and a great option to, to have at a, a 200-incher for sure. Dang, yes. <laughs> if you're hunting a 200-inch deer, you're doing good. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So that, the, the rifle hunt on the Pompsagon, I mean, it typically ex, uh, extends a few days and ends on the 31st. I guess all hunts in Utah will end October 31st this year for rifle. But do you feel like that gives – are they rutting at all maybe the last few days, or is it just straight migration still? Most of it, you'll see some pre-rut activity. Um, you, you'll, you'll get some deer checking some does those last couple of days. Um, most, most that you're hoping for there is a storm comes in, some kind of weather shift to get those deer moving down. And so, yeah, it, it's not so much rut activity. It's just not late enough, but yeah. it is more migration. So you're just kind of hoping that something cold comes in and you're hunting that low country and you're seeing a big old bruiser walk past you and, and whack them. On that on that that later stuff, um, it, it's it's kind of hard. It's like you, as you're out there, you kind of wish it went later into November. You know, it was a true premium hunt, like across the West, 
but at the same time, I think it's um, it's it's good because it saves a couple of those big deer that are getting on the does and, and rutting activity. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, but, uh, yeah, you're mostly looking for that migrational, maybe a little pre-rut activity for sure. Okay, sweet. So speaking so much about the Pontchagant, let's hear a couple stories. I mean, you helped kill some awesome bucks on there this year. Do you mind maybe sharing a couple of your hunts this year? Yeah, for sure. We uh, uh, start off with a with an archery hunt. I was we were paired with uh, now one of my really good friends. I call him his name is Spencer Jarvis um, from up in northern Utah, and he was a stud. He was one of the nicest guys. His family was um, salt of the earth type people, and that's th- those are the type of people you love to hunt with who are out there um, just having a great time and happy to be there and just happy to be around. So I, I had a blast with them. Um, we started off hunting a deer that we called MJ that was one of the bigger deer on the unit this year, and I was lucky enough to find him in summer scouting, and so we kind of had first pick of that deer, and he was in a spot that I thought was pretty killable, um, but we had hunted him for for six straight days, five or six straight days. Every morning, every night, we were within 40 yards of him multiple times and just couldn't get the shot off. He was... It turned out to be one of the wiliest old deer that I had ever seen. It was crazy because we'd be on them, and we think finally what we turned it, we tuned it down to, even with an earpiece in our head, in our um, our handhelds, we think he was picking up some of the sounds off of mm-hmm. our radios. And Jeez. so, yeah, it, it was crazy because we, for no for no reason, we'd be within 40 yards, and wind would be perfect, and all of a sudden. We'd, we 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 start talking the radio and he would bust out of there and we it took us a little while to kind of fill that out and another guide came in and and took his hand at him and kind of had the same thing happen um, and so we chased that deer hard we gave it an honest effort and I thought that next day or two we were gonna smoke that deer we you know we had felt good but it's kind of hard to keep morale up um, for you know for him it was hard you know, for that mile to keep up, we, we tried our best. And it, ultimately we decided to kind of go chase some other deer that we had our eyes on that were a little more obtainable, you know, not waking up at 3.30 in the morning, trying to be the first person in this area. Um, they were just a little easier. And so we we went to a different area. That, that very night we missed a great deer at 60 yards, really low light conditions, and we just barely pushed the air right underneath them. Um, it was a great, you know, like a, a – uh, knocking on 30s you know giant four point great forks you know right in that 90s 95 um, ballpark which he would have been um tickled pink with and he missed it and he was bummed but it was fun you know we were out there hunting and so we went back into that same area and we were trying to kill that deer that's kind of it kind of got most of our attention and how we killed this deer it was kind of funny because it 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 somehow always comes back to road hunting for me. These deer had seen a lot of um, road traffic, a lot of four-wheelers, a lot of people, and they weren't too spooked by vehicles. And so I told them this is the plan. We're going to go back in that area. There was a couple bucks that were kind of on our hit list in there. And I was like, we're going to drive up in there, and hopefully this 5 by 4 is going to be right in this area, and we're going to smoke them. And one of our spotters picked them up first thing that morning. And so we're like, what what's the play? He's like, dude, honestly, there's a road right there next to that deer. He's like, I think drive in. I was like, perfect. I think so too. They they just don't get too spun out during that archery hunt um, with 
vehicles. And so we drove up in there and I was in the front seat of my Jeep and I arranged him as he jumped out and went in front of my Jeep and shot. And he actually missed the first shot at like 50 yards. Boom, missed it. And that deer was like, what? what's going on? And he ran and he stopped and looked back and I arranged him again. I was like, take your time. Like, you got this. And he shot and just smoked him, double lunged him. The deer ran 100 yards in plain sight and just chipped right over. And so we, we were pumped. I mean, it had been a hard hunt. We'd hunted our butts off. And it was just so funny how it went from, you know, us trekking, hiking our butts off to end up killing a deer out of the Jeep, you know, on the side of the road, just like good old times, I felt like. So it was it was pretty cool to, to get that archery buck with him. He looks like a good buck, too. He yeah, like he was like solid. Um, the, the other deer that we were chasing were, were bigger. Um, but, I mean, I think bigger is kind of a, a relative term. Um, it, it, the beauty is kind of in the eye of the beholder and he was pumped. He, he, he'd hunted hard and he was tickled pink with that deer. Um, he'd wanted the other ones a little more, but you know, with, with what had happened, he was, he was plenty happy with that deer. So we were happy and we had a good time with him. It was, it was, it was fun stuff. So did, uh, did that MJ buck ever end up getting killed? Yep. He got shot. Um, he got shot on the opening day of the muzzleloader hunt. Um, by Wade Lemon outfitting, and there was a couple guys that were in there. He shed his velvet, um, and when they got in there and looked at him in the muzzleloader, they weren't too impressed with him. He he looked like on the archery hunt he had gobs of mass. Like he was such a cool deer. Um, and once he kind of shed his velvet, there was a couple people that were a little disappointed to what he turned out to be. But they ended up shooting him, and he was still a fantastic deer. He was still great, um, big deer, and uh, most people would be absolutely tickled pink with him. But, yeah, they ended up getting him on the opening day of the muzzleloader hunt in there. Okay. Sweet. And then but you guys, so then you also freaking killed an awesome muzzleloader buck. You guys yep. Killed. Yep. That, that, was a, that was a really fun hunt. I was uh, paired with, uh, again, I never met him, one of my good buddies now, Josh Dimmick. And he's a stud. He is, um, yeah, man, he, he's such a good guy to hunt with. He, uh he had the opportunity to be the, the guide on, on this hunt. I was a spotter, which is, is fine by me getting able to take a step back every now and then and just sit on my glasses. It was actually pretty fun. Um, but it was, it was pretty awesome how it all turned out there. Um, we had hunted, I'd spotted this buck, um, I think probably the second day for him. And I'd sat on the same knoll for seven straight days and I'd hiked up it. And I, and I spotted this buck, and um, they, I was like, you guys can take a better look at this deer. I was looking from probably two miles away, and they got in and on it, like, yeah, that's a great deer. And uh, that first night, Steve missed, our hunter Steve Bloom, he missed them twice. And it was about 150 yards with a muzzleloader right at low light, and he missed them twice. And we're like, oh, my gosh, no, that was a great deer. Like, he's got such a cool hook cheater. He's got a cool frame. He's a super cool deer. And uh, – and so we were pretty bummed, and it was it was really funny though because Steve got buck fever, the worst I've ever seen it in my life, and I thought it was hilarious. He uh, he shot and missed, shot and missed, and I guess back in the truck, um, Josh took video of it. He uh-huh. was sitting on on the bumper, and he was just shaking. And this was thirty minutes after the shot, and he was just shaking and shaking and carrying on. And, and he couldn't get his wits, and, and he was he was literally, it was just the, the epitome of buck fever. 
And it was so funny to watch the video. And he was like, that was the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. And I missed it. And and Josh did such a good job by keeping his morale up and, and talking to him and talking him through it. And it was so awesome to see. It was just like hunting with a kid for the first time. They get so pumped. They get so excited. And he's yeah. killed plenty of animals. And he's had, you know, plenty of animals on his wall. But just to see him get just all spun out over this, was it was awesome. It was hunting. It was so fun. And so we trekked on uh, for a couple more days, and it was really funny because um, I ended up finding the deer again, and he was in a completely different spot. And it took a, a really special angle for him to turn for me to see the hook cheater. And so that first night that I had actually glassed him up, we didn't know it was him. So I had sat there, and I was like, dude, there's a really big buck over here. You guys might want to take a look. And they were looking at another deer. So they didn't make it over there, but I was rolling film on them. And uh, we go back that night. I was like, well, check out this buck that I watched. And we're sitting there watching. And me and him kind of look at each other. We're like, um, did you just see that? And so we kind of rolled the film back. And sure enough, he just happened to turn. And there was a hook cheater. I was like, no, that was freaking Dr. And, and Steve had, had dubbed this buck Dr. Hook. And, uh-huh. uh, and so I was like, no, that's Dr. Hook. He was there all night. You know, he's feeding <laughs> at five o'clock in the afternoon and he sat there for two hours and you guys could have smoked him like no and so we went back the next day hunted that morning couldn't get on and then that night it was kind of winding down and i picked him up right at last light and i had these guys sitting in that area that he was and i said this buck's coming and and he's walking down this fence line kind of giving him play by play and josh did a stellar job at, at kind of making an executive decision on where to go i was like hey it's either A or B, choose one. And he kind of went with his gut. They popped up on this knoll. The deer was at 150 yards, and I videoed the whole thing. And the first shot, he missed. He missed the first no. shot again. And I'm watching this all over the place, and I'm, I'm on pins and needles up there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, no. <laughs> and luckily, uh, we'd taken a backup muzzleloader, and that second shot, he smoked him, just piled him up right there and dropped him dead. And, and it was just so awesome because it – when you you know when you're hunting big deer like this yes the guide is super important but if you don't have a good spotter not saying that i'm a good spotter but on the rifle hunt i had a fantastic spotter that made my life so much easier it's such a team effort as you're out there like it's just you three and you're trying to kill that big old deer and it becomes a, a real team effort and so as i come rolling up steve pretty much puts me on the ground with a hug he just comes up, big old bear hug, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, he was still just so pumped, and, and it was such a cool deer, and it was such a cool experience with some great people. Um, that deer had an awesome hook cheater, had some great backs on him. He was just a cool deer, just a different deer, had a cool shape to him, and it ended out just being such a fun hunt and a good time. So it was it was a good time. It was awesome. Yeah, those fours on the deer, it just, like, they flare out like that. <laughs> yep. cool yeah, those stuff. are awesome. Yeah, that's sweet. That's that's so fun to hunt with someone who's like so excited about it. Oh, yeah, it, it it makes it, and that's what I'm saying. This year was different. It was just different being around a a, a great group of guides and a great group of spotters, and then our hunters that we had were just second to none, and they were some of the there's just the best people that you can hunt with, and and it was fantastic, and and that trickled on down to the rifle hunt for me, and had a great time killing a great deer there too. So it was a really fun, really good year this year. Uh, did you post pictures of your rifle hunt? I, I didn't. I, see I, I haven't yet. Um, I've been oh. meaning to. He uh, the hunter killed an awesome 
kind of a tripod buck. I'll, I'll post them up one of these days. I need to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sometimes a slacker when it comes to posting, but he killed a super awesome um, tripod buck. And uh, kind of how that turned out, I uh, again, I, I was paired with an awesome kid from uh from Canab, Hoss Houston. He uh, turned out to be one of my really good buddies. And he was my spotter on that hunt. And he like I said, if you don't have a good spotter, you're just you're dead in the water out there. And we uh we'd been chasing some great bucks that whole rifle hunt. It was kinda of, it was such a weird year because we were hunting so high because it was so dang hot, so dry. And uh Hoss had picked up this buck early that um earlier in the hunt and the hunter wasn't too uh, he didn't quite want that deer. We'd been chasing some other bigger deer. And then finally about day three, we, you know, kind of showed him again. He's like, you know what, I'll shoot that deer. And so it's kind of funny how it turned out. Um, we went up to where we where Hoss had spotted him that, that last day. And we picked him up first thing that morning. And he kind of walked off. And he got, that deer got in the best position to save his life that morning. He was, it was right as the sun was coming up. We had him on it at 500 yards and he was getting ready to pull the trigger. And then right behind the deer, the sun comes up and is directly in the guy's scope. And so we're trying to cover the scope. We're trying to get the sun out of his face. And there was just no way. Like there was just not a, not a chance. And, and the deer kind of moved off a little bit, took two shots and it was just such bad conditions that he couldn't hit or, and so we missed him, and at that point, it kind of got like he got a little vengeance in his system, and, and he was he was a rock star of a hunter. His name was Dwayne Buckholt from California, and he had uh-huh. kind of won the lottery, drawn the tag with like 10 points as a non-resident, mm-hmm. and so he was just happy to be there. He didn't, and it was so fun to hunt with him because he didn't have the highest expectations. He was out there hunting a good time, and, you know, I got to show him some cool sights. Um, all around on the Ponsagon because it's so scenic out there and, and we hunted some great deer and, and had some great opportunities and just had a blast and so it was kind of funny to watch the the switch flip for him he uh he went from like a happy-go-lucky guy and having a good time to he wanted to kill like he had he had killer instinct and yeah. uh and so he missed that deer and he was bummed he's like I'm killing that deer I don't care what I'm killing that deer he's like yeah man like I love it and so <laughs> That night we go back in there. We got and there was actually another uh, another group of people trying to kill that deer, and and we'd liked our odds, so we're like, let's keep after them, and you know, we'll just be that much more persistent than them. And and so we knew where they were going to set up, and so we were like, well, let's get in what we think is a better position. And so we got in there and we sat right where the deer we thought he's going to come out. And we sat there till probably about 15 minutes before shooting light ended. And he didn't show up. None of the deer showed up. And then Hoss gets this brilliant idea. He's like, I'm going to go off this backside and glass this other receipt. He, he might be in that. All right, sounds good. And five minutes later, Hoss said, dude, I've got him. Like, he's right here. No one else is on him. Let's go smoke him. And so we had Hoss talk us in perfectly. We walked right down this drainage, got set up. I got him on the, uh, the triclops on my tripod. I had a great dead rest. And that deer ended up walking out about 400 yards, and and he smoked them, and and we were pumped. I mean, that's one of my favorite things is is just the reaction after that deer goes down, or after you walk up on the deer, it there's hugging, there's shouting, there's, there's it's just everything. It's just straight raw emotion, and he was so pumped because that deer he shot it twice, and it piled up right there. And Hoss is hauling on the hill, and his daughter was on the hill, and he had his buddy up there, and. Everybody kind of got the experience in that group setting, so it was it was it was, it was special and it was fun hunt. 
and he was tickled pink with that deer and it, it, it was fun it was it was a good year considering you know the the water situation wasn't very good and conditions were rough but i was just with some of the best people out there and, and some of the best hunters and guides and, and just made it so fun it was, it was a fantastic year out there yeah well it sounds like you had an unreal year for the drought conditions how do you think it's uh how do you think it's looking so far this year out there as far as um i'm loving i'm loving the the moisture we've been getting lately um it's kind of it, it my eyes were kind of opened um probably about two years ago when i was talking to somebody kind of about water situation and and how it affects deer and the whole nine and they had talked to me about how in the it, it kind of stems the it's like a year-round kind of water cycle for deer if if deer are going to have a rough fall with low quality feed because of water and low um low water levels then they're going to go into that winter with less body fat and as they go into that with less body fat then they're going to shed their antlers earlier trying to get rid of them and 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 their just overall body conditions are going to be worse going into that next spring as they're growing their horns and so it kind of opened my eyes to kind of look at it as in a whole perspective um as in not just like a spring and a summer it's kind of the the fall and how the moisture or how the feed was and then that winter how hard the winter was and how much moisture we got and then you just hope by spring and summer we're still getting rain we're still getting moisture if that all happens i think we're going to be sitting pretty good but those deer and you know after we killed a couple of them last fall and, and getting into their um, caping them and stuff was some of the worst body conditions I've ever seen on deer. They they had that rifle buck didn't have an ounce of fat on him. And and as you're kind of walking through there on the rifle hunt, and you're looking at all those reseeds and all the work that they've done, everything was bone dry. There was almost zero nutritional value. I felt like in those uh, in those um, uh, bushes and everything they were eating. And so. I hope that it's going to be great, and that's all you can do is hope. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, our winter was mild enough, but we got enough moisture where we needed it, and as long as we kind of keep it up this year, spring and summer-wise, I think we should be sitting pretty good as long as kind of that whole um, fall didn't hurt them too much, but I think we should be pretty good. Right. So we just got to keep keep hoping for a little more moisture. Here. Yeah, absolutely. That's always the hope. So, um, with your stories, I noticed something consistent that, that you talked about is um, having a good spotter or even just glassing in general. Um, what's your glassing setup? My glassing setup, it's, it's, it's changed, and I think I've finally got it fine-tuned. I'm not a guy to be on 15s. Um, I, the, the setup I run now is just a 12 by 50 UHDs. Vortex. I know they're Vortex, not Soros. Um, and then uh, I have just my, um, I've got a Zeiss 85 as my spotter. Okay. And I feel like there's a lot of people that just will spend time on their spotters and they can do that and that's awesome. Um, but I, I feel like I'm 10 times the, the spotter on binos. And I feel like as I've kind of gotten more and more into optics and learned more and more, it's not so much how much magnification you have, but how kind of clear they are and how, I mean, I guess how, how well you're able to see, I guess. 
I, I looked through some of those new Swarovskis, the NL Peers, and they are absolutely incredible. Like the really? the edge to edge vision you have, and they're just they're amazing. And I talked to Ryan about this at Music Crazy, and he's he kind of he, he's taught me a lot, and that was one of them. So I was like, well, don't you need like 15s, you know, those swirl 15s to kind of pick everything up? He's like, no, these are these are clear enough that you're gonna see you're gonna see more of these because you're gonna pick up more if that makes sense. And so that's kind of made more sense to me as I've kind of been out there. And so I just run a run those 12 by 50s off a tripod. Tripod's definitely a game changer. Um, once I finally did that a few years ago, to able to sit down and just sit there for hours on end. And, and I I did a lot of glassing this year, um, trying to pick up those deer in their beds and, and, you know, glassing when not everybody's out there glassing and just kind of putting in the extra effort. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my glassing setup is just that 12 by 50s with the uh, Zeiss spotter to kind of zoom in and kind of see what I'm looking at and, and identify things. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, I guess kind of in closing here, is there any like uh, I guess tips or tricks you you uh, you'd want to share? I guess. <laughs> um, I it's kind of hard to, for me to think of that because, like I said, I'm not the killer. <laughs> I'm not the one that people usually come get advice. That's why I was pretty pumped when when you had uh, asked me to, to come talk to you on this, because I think it's, I, I think it's awesome. I love, I love talking hunting and I love talking all that. Um, but I think just the biggest thing is just, like I said, when I killed my deer, just perseverance. Um, you can't control anything like you, you can't control the luck of somebody else shooting a deer or where that deer is going to come out that day, but you can control, uh, you know, how hard you're going to, you're going to try and, you know, the perseverance it's going to take, only thing you control is yourself. And so if you're out there putting in the time and doing everything that you possibly can, I feel like something's bound to go your way at some point. And so I feel like the more time you kind of spend out there, um, the better your chances. And so that's kind of kind of how I live by things because I've never been, like I said, I've never been the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to hunting, but I feel like I'll try pretty damn hard and I'll get out there and do everything I can to kill that biggest deer. Um, and so I feel like just, uh, I'm full of try hard. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's something that doesn't come around to everyone. So that, that's good to have. And yeah, you, you've been at it for so long. I mean, you grew up in the mule deer Mecca. I mean, you, you've hunted since you were little. Um, what's something you, I guess, you know, today that you wish maybe you would have known like 10 years ago. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I, I mean, I guess you can look back on, on missed opportunities that deer that you've kind of had and wish that you could have done this thing or that thing different. I, I think it comes down to spending as much time as you can out there and learning about deer. Um, I feel like things kind of started to change for me in how I looked at hunting and myself as a hunter when I started to kind of try to understand mule deer more. Um, I've been blessed with some some amazing people around me that have so much knowledge and they've been willing to share and whether they've taught me places or whether they've taught me, um, you know, water sources or food or any of that. I, I think just the biggest thing that I wish I would have known is, is just to uh, just, just be out there hunting as much as you possibly can. I, I feel like I took that for granted 
when I was a kid, I wasn't like hunting as hard. And I feel like there was such great opportunities, um, whether it be in Utah or across the West. So I think that's the biggest thing is I wish I would have known more of the opportunities to go and hunt. Um, Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I'm applying in all the Western states. I'm lucky enough to go and hunt a lot of those states um, just from learning about opportunity. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing is, is I wish I would have known the chances to hunt because growing up as a kid, it was only Utah. That was the only thing that my old man knew and the only thing that I did. And now it's like, yeah, it does cost, you know, money and app fees or if you draw the tag, but man, there are some opportunities to go hunt. If you're looking to go hunt, you just need to go put in for other states and, and get out there and go hunt and go hunt your tail off. And that's about it. Yeah. I think that's great advice. In fact, like, cause I didn't even start putting in for out of state hunts until I was probably like 16. Um, so I could have gained a lot more points if I started when I was 12. So Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I look back on that a lot too. So I think that's yeah. great. Like, and I think you, you've kind of proven it. I mean, um, you killed that great buck in Colorado and even a, on a second, second choice unit. So you're still getting points, but you took the time. I mean, it probably is hard with your, your schedule with work, but you still made it work. And I mean, you were rewarded with a great buck. So yeah, absolutely. You proved that firsthand. And then, yeah. And I think, um, back to your advice about just sticking out, just being out there. I mean, that's, that kind of goes hand in hand with your story. So I think some good stuff. And I, I appreciate you getting on and sharing, uh, those stories and some advice with us. Um, so just so the listeners know, um, to look at his, uh, at Branson's pictures and stuff. Um, it's Branson Jack is his Instagram. And then I, I just found this too, but, um, you have a photography page too. It's uh 30 wide photography. Um, there's some really cool pictures on there. I just, I just barely started following that page. So, yeah, I, uh, I just, um, I've always had a little passion for photography and this year I finally pulled the trigger and bought, um, a nice camera and set up and I was able to go, I had a, a, a mountain lion tag for beaver this year. And so that's where a lot of those pictures came from. I was able to get really close to a lot of lions that we treed and had a really good time. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope to get some awesome pictures, um, this year, come velvet and see some of those deer kind of grow up before me. And so I'm, I'm stoked for, for the new camera and, and to get me out there and, and to do all that. But yeah, I, I, uh, thanks for having me, man. And, uh, I, I appreciate the time. And like I said, I, I love to tell stories and I love to, to, to hear stories. And so one of these days that I hope to, uh, hear about your strip buck that you killed and, and some other awesome stories that you've got too. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do that. <laughs> we'll have to do that soon, but I, I do appreciate it. 